Hello again, friends. This is Pastor Lowell speaking to you. We are on number 26 of the series, Return to Rome. We'll begin with, again with just a short prayer. Heavenly Father, again we turn our attention to end-time events. We believe we're living at end-time. Help us to be faithful, faithful to your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We are still in section 5 of our series, Return to Rome, a common enemy. When God's people are hated, which we believe that soon God's people will be hated because... Pope Francis said in 2014, a fundamentalist group, even if it kills no one, even if it strikes no one, is violent. The mental structure of fundamentalism is violence in the name of God. We understand that we, faithful Seventh-day Adventists, have what is viewed by the Pope as the mental structure of fundamentalism. The dictionary tells us fundamentalism is a form of a religion especially Islam or Protestant Christianity, that upholds a belief in the strict, literal interpretation of Scripture. And that's what we uphold as Seventh-day Adventists, the strict, literal interpretation of Scripture. However, there are some, and perhaps more and more, especially in Western countries, that are beginning to question biblical authority in a specific area, and that's the area of women in ministry, women ordaining women to a headship role in the church. And the question we understood was not so much women in ministry, but the Bible authority, biblical authority. What does the Bible actually say about the role of women in ministry? Can they have a headship role in the church? We understand women are taking leadership in many areas today. And the issue we're dealing with is not the issue of women involved in ministry. That's not the issue. The issue is headship. Is it biblical for a woman to take a headship role in the home or in the church? We understand that women can preach, they can teach, they can minister, they can prophesy. Our church is sort of founded on a woman prophet, prophetess. Women can manage those things women can do, but headship is something that the Bible does not allow for women to take. I'm going to read a statement from Pastor Richard Mellick. He's actually a doctor, Ph.D. He's not an Adventist. He's a Southern Baptist. He wrote a book, Women Pastors, What Does the Bible Teach? Published in 1998. And in the book, he said, the question at hand is not whether women are of equal value to men, nor is it whether they can minister effectively. It is, rather, the nature of their ministry in the church. More specifically, it is, is it permissible for a woman to serve as a senior pastor? And then to answer that question, he cites three specific things. He says, number one, there were no known women pastors in New Testament times. Secondly, none of the instructions regarding church order include instructions for women pastors. And thirdly, some texts on church order explicitly forbid women to occupy that role. So the question is, biblically, does the Bible allow women to have a headship role in the home or in the church? There are some who say no, the Bible does not allow that. There are some others who say yes. Uh, 
The Bible does allow that. Of course, we know the Bible is not teaching two different things on the same topic. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the no text, the, the, the texts in the Bible that clearly say no to women taking a headship role, and then we're going to look at the yes text, or the text that uh, those who favor women being ordained to headship roles, those the texts that they use. And we'll start with the no's, and we're going to begin in the very beginning, Genesis Genesis 3, verses 8 through 10. This is after Adam and Eve had disobeyed God in sin. God came down to talk with them. Verse 8 of Genesis 3 says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam, and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. Please notice the Lord is calling Adam. Why didn't God call Eve? She really was the one who led out in transgression. And the reason why God called Adam was because God had appointed Adam as the head of the human family. Adam was actually created first. And then Eve was created out of a rib that God took from Adam's side. Let's now read verses 16 and 17 from the same chapter, Genesis 3. It says, Unto the woman he, that's God, said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Who said that? It was God who said that. He shall rule over thee. Now the word rule in the Hebrew comes from the Hebrew word mashal, which means dominion or governor or reign. So God said that Adam would be governor or reign over Eve. Let me read on now, verse 17, Genesis 3:17. And unto Adam he, God, said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. So God says, because you have hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, it is as if God is telling Adam, you should not have followed your wife in sin. I made you the head. Because you chose to follow her lead, a curse will follow you. I wonder today, is there still a divine curse following those men who today refuse the responsibility of leadership and hand that role over to the women? Or men in favor of women taking headship, leadership roles in the home or in the church? Is a divine curse following those men? Hmm. Please notice God had said, He, Adam, shall rule over thee, Eve. Let me read from Matthew Henry's commentary on this passage. Matthew Henry, a well-respected Protestant commentator, said, We have here the sentence passed upon the woman for her sin. Two things she is condemned to, a state of sorrow, 
and a state of subjection. Proper punishments of a sin in which she had gratified her pleasure and her pride. She is here put into a state of subjection. Of course, this is what the women's rights movement is rebelling against. She is here put into a state of subjection, Matthew Henry says. The whole sex, that's the female sex, which by creation was equal with man, is for sin made inferior and forbidden to usurp authority. And then Matthew Henry cites 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12. We'll look at that later. He then says those wives who do not, those wives who not only despise and disobey their husbands, but domineer over them, do not consider that they not only violate a divine law, but they thwart or they seek to set aside a divine sentence. That's what Matthew Henry says. And you think about it, it was God himself that stated that woman was to be in subjection to man. This is a divine law that God himself laid down. Ellen White in the book Patriarchs and Prophets, page 58, says this, In the creation God had made her, that's Eve, the equal of Adam. Had they remained obedient to God in harmony with his great law of love, they would ever have been in harmony with each other. But sin had brought discord, and now their union could be maintained and harmony preserved only by submission on the part of the one or the other. Now, it's true that men have abused this, but note here that unity in the home and the church can only be preserved by one sex submitting to the other. And it's the pro-ordination people who want the man to submit to the leadership of women, which is the exact reversal of what God had laid down in the beginning because of sin. I'm reading on from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 58. It says, quote, Eve had been the first in transgression, and she had fallen into temptation by separating from her companion contrary to the divine direction. Apparently, God had told Eve not to separate from Adam because in society with Adam, she would have been more secure. And then it says it was by her solicitation or her lead that Adam sinned and she was now placed in subjection to her husband. Tell me, who placed her such in subjection to her husband? It was God. Now, think about this. By refusing to submit, women are rejecting God's headship and in a sense are rejecting God. Self then becomes the God. We change from worshiping God to worshiping a goddess. And that's exactly what happened in France. They set up the goddess of reason. And no doubt that is where the women's ordination movement is taking us. We are rebelling against a divine law that God set up in the very beginning. Here it said, Ellen White says, she, Eve, was now placed in subjection to her husband. It was God who did this. So the women's equal rights movement, which is the main argument for women's ordination, is essentially rebelling against God. This is not just a rebellion against GC leadership. This is a rebellion against God. 
Reading on now, page 59 and 58 and 59 says, Had the principles joined in the law of God been cherished by the fallen race, this sentence, where women is put in subjection to man, this sentence, though growing out of the results of sin, would have proved a blessing to them. But man's abuse of the supremacy thus given him has too often rendered the lot of women very bitter and made her life a burden. And this is what has given rise to the women's liberation movement. And certainly we can agree with some of the goals of the women's liberation movement, the right to vote, the right to have equal pay for equal work. There's nothing wrong with that. But we cannot agree with their agenda that men submit to women's leadership. That's contrary to God's law that he set up after sin in Eden. Page 59 of Patriarchs and Prophets says, Eve had been perfectly happy by her husband's side in her Eden home, but, like restless modern Eves, she was flattered with the hope of entering a higher sphere than that which God had assigned her. In attempting to rise above her original position, she fell far below it. And unfortunately, friend, that is the destiny of all women in the women's ordination movement who are aspiring to pastoral positions. They are forsaking the position that God has given them, and in seeking to reach a higher sphere, they end up falling far below what God had intended. You may have heard how in California recently, there was an ordained, quote, ordained woman pastor, Seventh-day Adventist pastor, who baptized a lesbian Seventh-day Adventist married to a lesbian member. That was in Northern California, and the Northern California Conference essentially took no substantive action against what happened. And you can see where this takes us. Once you begin setting aside a thus saith the, the word of God, then where do you end up? If we lose the battle over women's ordination and the liberals bring in women's ordination, the next step will be allowing equal rights for homosexuals. So you know where that'll take us. Well, there's more, but we are out of time. We'll pick up the story tomorrow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Though we may not be able to fully understand why you have ordained certain things in the society and even in the home, we accept your command. We pray you would help us to live according to every word that proceedeth out of your mouth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friend, Pastor Lowell here saying to each of you, God be with you until we meet again.